bum, 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 bum. video vampires. Jessica. And Mickey. Hello, hello. I've watched a ton of stuff because it's been a little while, but like, you know, because shit gets busy, but we're still watching stuff. And so yeah. there's like a number of things that we could talk about finally. So mm -hmm. um, I'll start. <laughs> Did you see a blonde? No. Really? Okay, so I, so I was morbidly curious, and, and I didn't want to know anything about this movie before I watched it. And so I yeah. think I was very surprised because I thought it was a biopic. It's not. It's a fictional bio based on yeah. um, Marilyn Monroe. And it's done by, uh, what's his name, Andrew Dominic or something like that? He, yeah, who's he's a chopper. A yeah. Yeah. And so he and so, you know, seeing his resume, I remember being like, oh, this is a weird film for her, him to do until I watched it. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh, OK, so I really liked it. And now this movie is like has a ton of controversy because of the subject matter, which is like a fever dream and like patriarchal look at Hollywood and right. how it took advantage of women. Um, and so saying that there are things that I really liked about it, um, yeah. but it is in itself an exploitation film, but that's where people get, they're like, it's an exploitation film. And they're so angry about it, but it's like, yeah, it is. And it doesn't mean that it's bad. And so I think we're at a weird day and age where like, we're offended by everything we don't understand. <laughs> and so yeah. a lot of people were offended by this film. Cause they were like, Oh, poor Marilyn and her name. It's like, she's fucking dead. Like, who fucking cares what yeah. her who defiles her character? She's a celebrity. You're not supposed to worship this person. Um, right. But anyway, I really liked it. I thought um, Anna Diarmas. Diarmas. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. She's great in it. A lot of people mm -hmm. talked about how they could hear her accent, which I guess if you're used to seeing her in things and you can hear her voice, you can kind of pinpoint certain things. But for the most part, I thought she did really well. Um, sure. A lot of people were offended because they were like, oh, it's trying to make certain things sexy. But I was like, it's definitely not. There's a scene with JFK and her. Yeah. And that's like very, you know, anxiety inducing and feverish. And I thought that was so fucking funny. I like, you know, in a in an objective way where I'm like, this sure. is, you know, complete insanity where like JFK has her like whisked into the room and like this horrific blowjob scene yeah. and then like whisk her away. It's. I, I really liked it. Um, did you see? You didn't see it at all, or I didn't see it. I, I remember. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I, I kind of ruined it for you. Well, not. I didn't ruin. No, no, it no. For I you. know that. I know about that scene because it, it. Like, I read all about the the people freaking out about it, and I was mm -hmm. just like, well, one, there's always a speculation that she had the affair with JFK, and two, I guarantee that if she had the affair with JFK, it was it was very one sided in the sense that like you have the fucking president of the United States base and you have an actress and one's got way more power over the other one. So it's like, but it, people like you know, like I said, like they're just like, well, we don't know if that's true or not. So like, and it's like, yeah, but you know, when you hear that rumor long enough, it's it's worth exploring instead of and people are just like you said, they're getting a little too bent out of shape about you know, uh, she wasn't. I mean. I, I love Marilyn Monroe, but she wasn't a fucking, like, she wasn't a saint, you know? And there was definitely some, she had some dark shit go on, and I thought that, that from what I heard, this movie's kind of, like, exploring that, and I was just like, I don't know why people are getting a bit out of shape about it. I didn't, what I didn't understand was why it was rated NC-17, but... I didn't either. I mean, there are titties in it, <laughs> you know? It's, uh, there's, like, a, yeah, a threesome scene, but it's not explicit, um, and so, like, 
sorry for anyone who hasn't seen it yet. Um, but that's the thing is like some of these ratings get because I, I don't I can't remember the documentary. It came out years ago, but about oh this film is not currently rated. Um, about yeah. the rating system and how absurd they are and how it's just like a group of like fucking regular ass people that are like oh anything sexual in America is offensive. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's, like, a interesting film that's probably going to be debated for a while. Um, and then I think it's probably just going to turn into, like, this cult film. True. Um, and then, so I saw that, and I know um, there's a few films out that we saw in the theater. And so Barbarian is one of them that I know you saw. I saw, I this is a film that I love seeing in the theater. It's yeah. It was, like, really fun, and I kind of miss Justin Long in horror, and I mean that is like, he plays such a good piece of shit, and, like, he did this in Tusk, where, like, he just played this character that you're kind of like, oh, I hate this guy, and, like, <laughs> you kind of also feel, like, could be redemptive, and then that's why I really like the ending, too, because you're like, no, just it's a piece yeah, of shit. No, I like, I like it. I, I Barbaria is in my top three of this year so far. Like I didn't see the trailer. You know, we just went on the opening weekend. Like, oh, oh really? Like, yeah. And so I had no idea. I knew just long as in it. That's the only I thing I knew. I love this, like, because you know, Detroit, and especially, was once a, such a booming city, and now you have like a lot of horror movies because it is like the degradation of America in that city. And yeah, so you have it, like only lovers left alive. You have it follows. You know, uh, yeah. don't breathe. And now you have this one, and it is and it is smart because it differentiates itself from the other ones um, while still being super fun and scary and jumpy and like silly and gross. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, I hadn't seen any the trailer, so I had no idea anything about the movie. I didn't even know who was going to be in it aside from Just Lost. So I didn't know the Skarsgård was going to be in it. And so, and I didn't know what the plot was. I was just like, I just knew that it was like a, a home rental situation gone awry. And I was like, and so like, you know, the first, what, 30, 40 minutes of that movie are really like, or maybe 20, maybe it just felt long, but like are really like really tense because you have no idea what's going on. You don't know. Who's you know who's who's a good guy who's a bad guy or you know so to speak, and then and then we have the shift in the movie and I was just like oh my god I just I I couldn't get over how much I love that movie I feel like I texted so many people being like get the fuck go fucking see this movie right away like don't see any trailers don't you know don't read anything about it just go see it and we, again we saw it in the theater so it's like you know the, the sound design was was great the. The jump scares, which I'm not a huge fan of, I don't feel like. Well, I don't feel like a jump scare can can alone can sustain a movie, but like this movie had a lot of things going on, so yeah. it's really cool. But like you know, there's a pretty great jump scare there that like I think the entire theater was like, you could hear the collective like slapping yeah. back into your seat, you know. <laughs> I did. Uh, I was, did go as someone who was very jumpy, which like I think is yeah. the fucking funniest thing because I think that part that you're talking about was like a full on scream. In the movie mm -hmm. theater, that tended like that scared everyone else. So, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I think uh, it's really solid. And so, there's like a few other movies I'll talk about that are kind of like I feel like are generational movies that like I can see coming yeah. that like uh, mark a difference too in like time and technology. Um, uh -huh. And so, Barbarian was one, but I also saw. Um, Deadstream, which is on mm. Shutter, mm -hmm. which is pretty funny, and then so I'll, and then I also saw Bodies, 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 which are kind of two in the same, but I'll explain. So Bodies, 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 did you see it? 
No, my wife saw it twice. She desperately wants me to watch it. It's good. Like, it's good in a way. Like it's a teenage cast for the most part, except for Lee Pace, who I love that he just shows up in this movie. And Pete Davidson. And Pete Davidson, yeah. But I meant like everyone else is, is younger and it's a group of girls. And so I really like this because the two men are kind of like pushed to the side and then it's kind of like a Lord of the Flies-ish, you know, clue type of movie. Um, okay. But it is really funny and it is very like, current within the time and so i won't it, it gets really gory for no reason it's really mm-hmm. funny beside itself um and it kind of shows like the stupidity of kind of like people who are just willing to do things for um views or likes and then so that brings me to deadstream which i really liked it, it's on shutter it's like a one person point of view, basically, of a guy who's like a streamer and he gets canceled and then he's trying to redeem himself. And so for Halloween, he locks himself in this um, haunted house and has to survive the night t- sort of thing. And it's really fucking funny and like gross because you're like, oh, this is really how the world is. It's like it's all about like how much you can monetize yourself for views or likes or like, you know, whatever the crowd likes. And so I really liked it. It's on Shutter. Uh, bodies 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 i really like too honestly i was a little surprised and they're more of like the funnier side of horror i would say like dark horror comedy is kind of both of those vibes um and then um i also saw did you watch mr harrington's phone no there's a lot being pushed into streaming which I, i watch any of it i don't give a fuck i liked it it's not really greatly reviewed but it's um donald sutherland you know, mm-hmm. plays an old man who befriends a child, which I always think is creepy. But like, you know, <laughs> there's a reason he wants to be read to. And this kid, you know, grows up reading to this old man. And then like, it's also a technology type of thing where he introduces him to a cell phone. And this guy's like, this is the end of society, but dies and somehow can like communicate through a cell phone that this kid got him that he buried the man with by accident. And so it's kind of cool and kind of weird. And it I wish it was better. Like, I kind of wanted it to be, like, an apt pupil sort of thing, but it was a, yeah. a bit softer, if you will. Um, and then I also watched um, Pearl, mm. which was okay. Did you see X? I haven't seen, I haven't, I haven't seen either Pearl or X, what? Really? surprisingly. Yeah, I know. I think I, I liked X. I think you would like X. I think I would, too. I It was... When it came out, I was like... I was literally... We had gotten tickets for it, and then something happened, so we had to cancel, and then I just never... I never just got the opportunity again, and then it was gone. And then Pearl came out, and I was like, Jesus, already, you know? I liked it, but I didn't feel anything. I thought X was much better as a movie, but someone made a joke meme about Ty West and Mia Goth, and it was like <laughs> the new Rob Zombie and Cherry Moon Zombie. And it made me laugh, and, like, I'll, I, it's not as extreme. Like, obviously, it's a joke, but, like, I kind of felt that way a little bit. I just didn't love Pearl as much as I wanted to. I liked it. Um, she's great, but I just wanted to like it more and I just didn't, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I watched this movie, Luckiest Girl Alive, um, another Netflix, you know, output based on the book. It was like, um, sort of like, you know, that 13 Reasons Why, where like, mm-hmm. you know, a young girl is raped and she has to like come to grips with like what actually happened to her. Um, it's, it's much better than I think I thought it was going to be given like, how fast Netflix just puts things to film. Um, But I I ended up really liking it. And so those are the movies, movies that I saw. Oh, and I saw the new Hellraiser. Did you see it? Mm -hmm. So not nearly (laughs) as good as one. 
Or two. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it that. I didn't hate it, that being said. And, like, I don't get why people were so upset that Hellraiser was, like, uh, feminine, feminized, but not even really. Like, if you looked at Pinhead, it wasn't much different. It, it just, like, I feel like it was absurd that people were angry about that specific thing. It's especially absurd because the novella that Hellraiser's based yeah. on the Hellbound Heart... The, the Cenobites, specifically the one that, that Are, is, because he wasn't called Pinhead in the book, yeah. is is androgynous. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, and there's a, my problem wasn't, the Cenobites weren't my problem. Well, actually, they kind of were, but not the look of them. It was more of like, my problem with the new Hellraiser was, it didn't, uh, at the heart of a good Hellraiser story, it's about somebody wanting something really fucking bad, and willing to go to these ridiculous believing they're willing to go to these crazy lengths to get to it and then when they do you know Either, shit goes down there's also like a good article written and you can find it if you google it about like the painting of hellraiser but there is especially about the first film about like um women's sexual fantasy and energy and like that being stifled and what happens when like a suburban wife found a good fuck it's like really good i swear I, I mean- I mean, the, at the heart of the original Hellraiser, it's a fucking family drama yeah. that has weird S&M demons in the middle of it. But, like, this <laughs> yeah. one, it was, like, the one character that was was the closest to, like, a Hellraiser character to me is is in the movie in the very beginning and then towards the end. It's, like, and then we're following this character who's just, like, oops, I fucked up. I, like, I did this, I fucked around with this thing. There was, like, no sense to me that, like, you know, what I like about Hellraiser is that, you know, the original is like Frank, he opens the box because he, he's just, he's exhausted all of the, like, he's want, he wants to yeah. find the ultimate pleasure and he's exhausted all their options and whatever. And then for Julia, who was supposed to be the antagonist of the franchise, it was never supposed to be Pinhead, she's like, what you were saying, she's like, I want that good fuck back, you know? And like, I will go to these lengths to get to it. And it's like, so, uh, to me, this new Hellraiser just, like, cosmetically looked like a Hellraiser movie, but yeah, didn't but... feel like a Hellraiser movie. And, like, the, also, I didn't like the idea of, like, the Cenobites, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spoil very little, but the Cenobites collecting people who didn't open the book. For me, it's always, like, yeah. their whole, they were never bad guys. Their whole thing was, like, hey, our job is this. You open the box. You want to open the box. We show up, and we, we do our business. That's it. They're not good guys or bad guys. In the first movie, and then the second one, they kind of dive into, like, villain territory a little bit, but the idea at the end of the day is that, like, they don't come unless you specifically do the things that you need to do to bring them out, and it's, like, to me, so that when they're, like, like, the main character's brother, I'm, like, what the, what, what, this fucking guy had nothing, he has no idea what's going on, it's, like, to me, it's, like, it's when you know what you're doing that's kind of exciting, you know, to me in a Hellraiser movie, or, like, when you... You know, there's a great line. I was talking about this with a friend of mine. There's a great line in the second movie where they're talking about Ashley Lawrence, and they even say like, "Oh, you know, uh, what's the story this time? You didn't mean to open the box, you know, like so eager to play, so um, so willing to, or so so reluctant to play, so willing to admit." I can't remember what the line was. Basically, being like, "Stop pretending like you fucking um, you don't know what you're doing. Like you want to do this. You know what I mean? Like, and I love that because like, it's always about like desire and it's always about like, there's always a more of an existential or more like deeper thread in into Hellraiser movies or the first two at least. Whereas this one just, like I said, it was like, people were like, we haven't seen a good Hellraiser in a long time. Let's just, and I, so people are like, Oh, it's great. It's fantastic. And I'm like, it's really, it's not, you know, it was, I, and 
like, again, I have no problem with the Cenobites being, you know, and, and anybody who's got to fucking complain about that needs to go fucking fuck themselves because <laughs> they clearly don't know what they're fucking, they don't know what they're talking about. I like, know. that's bullshit. Like, but, so I have no problem with that. My problem was the one character that felt like they should be in a Hellraiser movie is barely in the Hellraiser movie. And I'm like, like, the more interesting character where I'm like, oh, I want to follow this guy and, and, and why he's doing what he's doing, you know, it's like, uh, it was just, it didn't work for me. I was really, I was staggered by how much I didn't like it. Yeah. And I was, I kind of felt I also didn't like, I was just kind of like, yeah, whatever. I, I'm not bothered that by his existence, you know? Mm-hmm. But. My buddy, a buddy of mine made a really good reference because the guy who did the new Hellraiser did the Night House, which I did also didn't. Oh yeah. Didn't, I felt that, I think we talked about it because I, I was like, it was so good until it wasn't. It, it, it. it I feel I like it set it. itself up and then like totally just yeah. fuck fuck I, I, yeah. I agree. I agree. I, I also think that like my idea of my interpretation of the movie was more interesting to me than what was the actual thing of the movie. But he <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but Buddy might made a good point being like the husband character, like the one you're dealing with in the flashbacks in the nighthouse, he sounds like he went through a better Hellraiser movie than the one we actually got <laughs> from the same director. So I was like, yeah, that that to me is more I agreed with that. I was like, yeah, there was a more deeper thread in that character than there was in any of the characters in Hellraiser. It just, it didn't, I don't know. I have a huge problem with these, like, hey, let's bring something back and we're going to do the bare minimum because you're so excited that it's back. Yeah. You know. I know. Some people, um, Death Becomes Her, there's a remake, you know, rumor. And so, like, I'm just like, why? Why do we have Hmm. to bring these things back like this? Like, I, I thought, you know, that they were making Hellraiser series or maybe they still are. They are. Um, okay, good. I would like <laughs> that. You know, stories untold. Um, yes. But not. We don't need. We don't need it. It's just kind yeah. of like brain filler, which is unfortunate. But I also saw yeah. a bunch of shows, which, um, you know, just constant um, content being pumped into my brain. But did you watch the Jeffrey Dahmer series? No, I haven't watched. Any, I mean, I only watched one thing on Netflix, and I'll I'll get into that. In a well, um. There's a lot of controversy surrounding this, too, and I think people are always going to be enamored with serial killers because they're abnormal. Not everyone just goes out and kills and, you know, does everything they fucking please. And so people are always going to be drawn to these type of people who have lived their life in a completely different type of way and leading their compulsions. And so I understand why people find serial killers so interesting because they fucking are. Um, and so there was a lot of people upset about this. Now I will say there's, uh, it's a Ryan Murphy production. Uh, and I have a love hate relationship with Ryan Murphy because I, I honestly think he might be a psychopath, but I love Pose. Pose is still like one of the best things he's ever done. And like even parts of American Horror Story and different things. And so I'm just saying that because I, I think a lot of people watch the beginning, which is more of like the Jeffrey Dahmer story. And then it goes to the end where it does talk specifically about the victims and about how fucked up the police were in this situation, how there was constant complaints to the police station and how that it was a big thing with the city and the police were like, they just didn't care because it was a low income type of community. And there was a lot of racism going on and they just let it happen despite how many complaints happened to that, to that person, to that building. And so like, and, and, you know, even knowing that a serial killer was out there, like the complaints from the community, they just were ignored at every turn. And then it it does go into that. And so 
I do like that about the series. It is brutal. It is a brutal. Like Evan Peters, no matter what anyone says about him, he's great at Jeffrey Dahmer because like this is very heavy. Like psych. Like imagine playing a man like this that like fucks and eats his dead his victims. Like it's crazy. But I really liked it. You know, it's funny because you said that you were mentioning the cops thing. I mean, like for me, like I mean, the whole story, the whole Jeffrey Dahmer story is pretty fucking terrifying but the one story the one aspect that oh has always freaked me out to no end is just the fact that one i think his last victim like actually managed to get away yeah. and then like went to the cops and the cops brought him back and be like oh it must be a lover's quarrel here's your boyfriend back and it's like that the idea of that is a uh, horrifying to me and that and that know? is shown like it niecy nash she's um really great in the series everyone like even the woman who plays one of the victim's sisters she she it's like word for word a like the what she said in the courtroom that day and it's like it is a powerful performance which i i can't understand how painful it is for the victim's family still but I see a difference in like, it's not, you know, glorifying the torture really. It's like trying to showcase um, how bad everyone fucked up in this situation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, she's great in it. And it also is like, they, they show that where like the neighbor was like, there's something wrong here. This person is not okay. And you're returning this to this man. And they're just like, they just did not want to deal with it. And so I don't know. Yeah. I, I honestly really liked it. I thought I thought it was like great, despite you know the very heavy subject matter. Um, yeah. I also watched Midnight Club, which is a Mike Flanagan production. I didn't. I, I'm. I was honestly I was not interested. Not interested at all until I heard who was in it, and I was like, oh, I want to actually want to see her. Um, who are you I would talking like about? Heather Langenkamp. Oh, the okay. Yes, um, she plays. I think the uh, Stanton, but. I think, I don't know, but, (laughs) but it might be one of the first Mike Flanagan things that I've liked all the way through. And -hmm. I'll say that because I I really liked Midnight Midnight Mass until the end where I felt, I'm like, God damn it, dude, we fucking get it. There's no need for this like 16 minute monologue. It's just like painful. And, you know, I do like all of his other things. I just felt like he called it in at the end. This one, I feel like, is pretty solid all the way through. And it does, like, it's really sad. You know, it's about a group of dying kids who are, like, um, at this kind of hospice center. And they meet at midnight and they tell ghost stories. So it's, like, kind of a mix in of, like, their stories and then the stories that they're telling. Wasn't it based on the book, by the series by Christopher Pike? Like, the book, the, the young adult? Oh, is it? I don't, I've never read it. I think I heard that too. I've, I've never read it. Honestly, I, it was like very clever and kind of sweet and sad, you know, obviously because they're kids and like, I found myself like, you know, yelling at them in my head because they're teenagers and you're like fucking teenagers even like think they know everything, which is so annoying. But I think that was like kind of the point about the show. And so I just finished it and I really liked it. It does set itself up for like another season. We'll see. Um, and, and that's the thing. I have a love-hate relationship with Mike Flanagan. I, like, just feel like he has the ability to do so much more. But I also see why, like, Stephen King loves him. Because in Stephen King's, I feel like, old age, he's more about redemption than anything else. And I feel like that's what Mike Flanagan is well, big also, at. <laughs> Stephen King also is notorious for great, great, great setup and great build. And, and then, then yeah. kind of shitting on the ending, you know? Not all the time, but Stephen King's definitely got that reputation. I feel like Mike Flanagan, that is all I think about with him is where I'm like, 
yeah, you know, like like Haunting a Hill House. I was like, man, first two, three episodes, I was I was in, I was into it. And then the more he kept going, I was like, I mean, again, we went back to the, uh, you know, we talked about that years ago where, like, uh, our guest Matt was like, you know, I think what he said, like, it was, it was like a horror movie constantly going to battle with This Is Us and then This Is yeah. Us won at the end, you know, and I was like, yeah, yeah that's how I felt. And it just didn't do it for me, you know, and, and uh, but yeah, so I'm not surprised Stephen King has got a, uh, a heart boner for, for, for yeah, it makes perfect sense. Um, and then, you know, I saw, or I, this is Atlanta's last season. I've talked about Atlanta pretty much the entire time we've been recording. It is the best mm-hmm. show on TV. It's just so fucking good and so funny and so weird and, um, artistic and cool. I just wish everyone would watch it. It's the last season. Just fucking watch it. It's funny. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant. There's like a whole episode on D'Angelo, which is just perfect. I, I can't say more um, about it. And then I started watching The Patient, which is Steve Carell and Dom Hall Gleason. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not quite what I thought. It's about a serial killer who kidnaps a therapist because he wants to stop killing. Um, it's very interesting. Good reason. Yeah. yeah, like he he actually wants to stop um, despite his compulsion. So it's really weird. I, I don't think I really liked it until pretty much the ending episodes, which are, you know, coming Steve Carell does a good job. It's more like the, um, the therapist, therapist imagination. You know, he's he's captured. He's, like, stuck in the house. He can't get free. He thinks about his kids. He's, like, trapped in his own mind, trying to figure out, like, how to get out and, like, how to solve this guy, you know. Um, I Dom Hall Gleason has played Killers before. I wasn't that convinced, really, until kind of – it takes a long time to get going, to be honest. I'm, I'm still not sure I like it. But the two actors are really good actors, and so I'm still trying to figure out, like, I think I'll watch it till the end, but it's kind of like, whatever. And then, of course, like everyone else in the world, I'm watching Power of the Rings. Have you seen any of it? Are you a fantasy? No, okay. That is so crazy to me because I'm fully invested. I haven't watched the last episode yet. But it is so fucking good. These and I, listen, like I know all about Token. I fucking watched the extended series repeatedly. Like I know all of it, and it's so insane to me that people are hating it. And people are hating it because they like I've seen the comments. They're like, and they did like um, review bomb the series. It's like actual insanity. And people are like writing dissertations about why they can be black fucking elves, but why does it matter? It's fantasy. And yeah, so it, it makes me feel really weird, but I will say it's, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's just people who are trying to like justify their racism by being like, Oh, there can't be a black mermaid. There can't be a black this. There can't be. And it's like, dude, you're fu- first off. None of these fucking things exist in the first place. So they can be whatever the fuck yeah, they want. Exactly. And it's, just, it's so frustrating. It's really, um, my, my, my apathy or my, my, not my apathy, uh, my, my distaste for the general populace is starting to like grow because I hear all this bullshit. I'm like, exactly. It's actually insane. And so like all all these things, because I like it, you know, these things come up and then I can like look at the comments and people are just like, I'm like, you guys have this much time on your hands. Like you're sick. You're sick people. Um, I, I honestly really like it. I, I love it. I like this, you know, fantasy world. It sets itself up for like one of the big wars. It's obviously before Lord of the Rings, before the Hobbit. Um, Mm -hmm. it's about like that first really war of the, the rings. Um, and so the characters are familiar, but there's also made up characters, but it's like, 
I don't know. I, I honestly don't understand people's problems with it. There's like some scenes that are so vivid and beautiful and like to, you know, the production company or Amazon's point, um, it looks beautiful. If you watch The Hobbit, and I love Peter Jackson, but if you watch The Hobbit, it's so fucking bad. It is yeah, so bad. I agree. The CGI is fucking terrible. And you look at Lord of the Rings and then you look at The Hobbit and you like, you just, I get mad at Peter Jackson because I'm like, what could have been if you just didn't feed into the, all this like CGI propaganda bullshit? Um, what could have been if you actually wanted to do The yeah. Hobbit? Or if you it's actually, really, yeah, exactly. Or if you actually waited until technology met up to the demands that you actually wanted it to be. And so, uh, well, he just wanted to produce it. Originally, Guillermo del Toro was to do it, and then, and then he that dropped fell off. And, yeah, and then he was like, "I might as well do it." And it's like, yeah, your 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 lack of excitement to do it has shown, clearly shown. Yeah. yeah. So that being said, I love it. Um, and then I've also watched House of the Dragon, which is pretty much you know another fantasy fantasy show. Mm-hmm few days later um i didn't like it at first and then this i felt like this past sunday's episode um you know with the king you guys know what i'm talking about was like the first really fucking good episode where i'm like this is what we're all waiting for this is what we wanted um this is what the story was setting it up to be and so i ended up really liking it but it's hard to fill the shoes of of game of thrones it really is and i feel like it's Mm -hmm. starting to get there with the storyline i am really hopeful um Dragons are fucking cool, and I'm kind of glad that fantasy has this huge renaissance right now where, like, it's cool because I fucking love swords and dragons. Yeah, (laughs) Wizards and shit. It's fucking fun. And so I wish people would appreciate it more instead of shitting all over everything because they're afraid of black elves. Yeah. That's good. That sums it up really well. Yeah, like in the in the fucking series, you know, the Valerians are, are black and people were like freaking over it. And it's like it's a fantasy show, of course. Like, wh- what are you talking about? It's a, And so I, I don't know if it's like people just won't let themselves enjoy things or what. Because, like, I get it. I'm a hater. Like, I love to hate on some shit. But, like, not about these fantastical things, you know? Yeah. But what, I mean, that's a lot of shit. But what have you watched? I know you saw a bunch of stuff in that theater. I saw a bunch of stuff. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to, I'll be kind of brief about it. Because we already talked about Barbarian. We talked about Hellraiser. Um, I saw Moon Age Daydream, the David Bowie documentary. Oh, um, okay, interesting. It's it is it is very interesting. It's it's not the type of documentary that I think people are expecting. It's more of like they take the different stages of his career where he was like Ziggy Stardust and the Thin White Duke, and then like when he was going through like um, his uh, kind of like electronic phase. Anyway, they they kind of go through these different like personas of Bowie and kind of like all the all the 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 narration is Bowie from interviews. Of oh, him. I was going to say, is they it actual interviews like, or did they deep fake his voice? Because I, no, 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 no. They're actually, they're, they're audio clips from interviews of his. And it's like, and so it's, you're never going to get like, Oh, I want to see when Bowie recorded uh station to station and didn't remember recording it. Cause he was fucked up on Coke and thought he was being chased by witches in Hollywood. <laughs> like they don't talk about that. It's more that of sucks. like this kind of like charting his career and it's charting more of, you know, when he was making, when he was, when he was doing the Ziggy Stardust persona and how he felt, isolation you know and like it's it's a really it's a really powerful really awesome documentary that like you know is very inspiring towards the end and everything because you know i mean there's parts where you're just like god they must have recorded this like right before he died and he's like you know shortly when he knew he was gonna die and like some just really like inspiring moments that were like you know it was pretty wild i wouldn't recommend seeing it at home just because of the nature of the documentary like the style of it 
I could e- easily have seen myself getting a little distracted, whereas in the theater, I went and saw it at IMAX, for Christ's sakes, and, like, I was, like, it's in your fucking face, yeah. you know? Um, okay. I saw that, um, so I recommend that. I saw Don't Worry Darling, which... I did want to, I do want to see it, but... How, I, I wanted to like it yeah. so much, but it was just not good, and it's, like... And my problem with certain with some directors these days is that they they like, you know, towards the I'm not going to give anything away, but towards the, the third act of the movie they start they they you find it's kind of figure out what's going on, and but there's one thing about being ambiguous for the sake of like oh I want you know the I want the audience to go home and ponder this and think about what this means whatever that I'm I'm a hundred percent behind ambiguity. What I'm not hundred percent behind is when you throw in something logistically, question you you you, at, you throw something in there and you're like, yeah, people will figure it out. It's like no no no, you're throwing in something that you need to explain that so that I can go okay, that makes sense for the world that you've built and everything like that. You're not it's not an existential question you're asking. You're expecting me to suddenly buy something completely, whatever. I just it, it, and also I also knew something was up in that movie. Like uh, I knew what was I thought I knew what was going on. And I was like, oh, this would be kind of cool. And then it went a similar direction, but, like, it was just bad. I I can't – I was – I walked away from that really angry because there was a lot in that movie that could have been fucking fantastic, and it really wasn't. Florence Pugh was fucking awesome. Like, she – I'm sure. I I heard it was, like, a step for – a version of just step for wives. It's – it is kind of, but, like, there was a – you really – I really think they were hinting towards, like, oh, it's going to be more like this – and there, a specific movie that I can't give away because then you'll kind of figure stuff out. Yeah. But then it wasn't that at all. It was something far stupider. And <laughs> I was like, I was just angry. I was like so fucking annoyed. And like, you know, anyway. Out of everything though, and I will say like the all the press, it's been insane. But I will say like there's a video and I don't, I don't know if it's real, but I hope it is. But it's like Chris Pine. And like it's Harry Styles delivering this like really absurd quote where he's like movie. It feels like a movie that's like a movie. And like Chris Pine's face is the same, but his neck like is like. And it is so fucking funny. And I honestly I don't know if it's real or not, but I really hope it is because it makes me laugh. Like Chris Pine being so um, offended by it, but not showing it in his face, which also shows that he's such a great actor. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, and the thing is that, like, all the hype that movie's getting because of all, like, the behind-the-scenes bullshit, not worth it. It's, it does not, it yeah. does, that, all that hype or all that, that bullshit does not justify a movie that's just not good. And I want it to be good because I really like Booksmart. Um, and there's some, there's some good stuff in that movie, don't get me wrong. It's just, as a whole, it, like I said, third act, it suddenly goes, okay, now we're going to introduce this to it. And it's like... Okay, go into that a little bit more, please. No, 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 no. We're not going to go into that at all. Um, we're not going to really get in too much into that because you don't need to know. And it's like, well, I kind of, it's like, uh, do you remember The Prestige? Yes. Okay, this is how I felt during The Prestige where it's like, they're, they're doing this whole thing about magic and the, the intricacies of magic and the, and the steps of magic, like the idea of like the, you know, the prestige and then the, you know, the, the, um, the misdirection, all that stuff. Yeah. And then at the end, it just turns out that David Bowie can make clones. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, that's where we're going? Like, that's, sorry if you haven't I know, I still kind of love spoiling, it. I like that you called him David I'm, Bowie, not Tesla, but. I'm spoiling a, fi- a like, almost 15-year-old movie, 16-year-old movie, so fuck it if you haven't seen it. David Bowie makes clones. And so the whole idea, the whole point of the movie is they're saying there's no such thing as real magic. And then at the end they go, but David Bowie can make, he's pretty much, he can make magic. He can make clones. Oh, great, what's the science behind that? I don't know. 
fuck it. You know, so fuck that movie. Um, but that's how I felt about Don't Worry Darling. There's a very similar to David Bowie making clones yeah. in that to me. Like, a, a, not the same thing, but like that, yeah. that idea where I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? And then you're just going to like leave it at that. So fuck that movie. Um, I saw Dark Glasses, which is the new Dario Argento film. Inter- I didn't even I saw- know there was a new one. I kind of thought he just like gave up and, but <laughs> no and and it's funny because you know historically like if you look at the last 10 15 years of argento you kind of think he should have given up <laughs> i will say dark glasses was actually really enjoyable like okay um That's promising. he still he still doesn't like women it's yeah. clear like he makes he, he's got his main character it's basically this um this prostitute um in italy who like she's um you know there's a serial killer that's picking off prostitutes she's chased by him in her car um she ends up hitting this like family uh this like chinese family like this uh, mother father and son and in the accident she loses her eyesight and um funnily enough she ends up bonding with the kid that you know she basically orphaned um and um the killer is still coming after her and stuff like that so she's blind but she can't you know and so she's relying on this kid to like help her as well as like this dog and then asia argento plays oh, like this woman it? who I yeah she and she, can- i guess she's not canceled anymore well it's his fucking daughter i mean i don't think he gives a shit but she plays uh, <laughs> i'm sure um, he doesn't the woman hater is like fuck she can do yeah. whatever she fucking wants but she doesn't play like her typical character in an argento film like she doesn't get like you know I think my the one thing I always say is that so he built, he makes this kind of strong character, uh, the strong female character in um, in Dark Glasses, like the lead character, but he's still like she's a sex worker, and so you know she's kind of like there, you know what I mean? Like it's like he's giving her a, a little bit, like like oh no, this is a strong independent woman, but I'm also going to shame her a little bit because, and, and you know there's nothing interesting. I uh, it is weird. It's you know what I mean? Like he's kind of like he just he can't just go in a certain direction he still has to like make her a little bit like you know whatever but um i enjoyed it i saw it in the theater uh for beyond fest i again another movie i probably recommend seeing in theater because it was a great experience but it's on shutter i don't know if it'll have the same effect look it's not it's not you know the best argento but i've seen far worse argento yeah and there's definitely and and if you're thinking like I, at one point in the movie i was like oh this movie's kind of tame for him and then towards the third act we kind of go into like ah oh, that's weird as fuck like that that scene had no really no ne- like necessity in this movie and then like the there's a few there's a kill at the end where i was like oh nope never mind i lied about everything i said about him being tame you know him <laughs> taming his, his act um but i liked it i i did enjoy it i saw um i mean i would watch I anything he's done even if i don't like it yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it, and um, I, I I did. I walked out of it. I mean, I think part of the enjoyment was, and I think a lot of people in the theater had the same feeling. It was like, holy shit, that wasn't that wasn't actually not bad, you know? Because um, you know he's made some pretty shitty stuff in the past few years, uh, so I think a lot of people were just pleasantly surprised by the quality of it. Um, I saw Rob Zombie's Monsters. That was the one thing I oh, watched. Oh, really? Netflix. I heard it's terrible. It is it, it's, but it's also it's also worth watching i don't know how to describe it like really um, i don't know yeah here's the thing so one you know how does he do this he does this he's done this twice now where rob zombie's like i'm a huge fan of this franchise or i'm a huge fan of this intellectual property i've been a fan of it for since i was a kid and then he makes a movie where he completely proves that he didn't understand 
what it was about that Dude, property. I like when he did Halloween. Zombie. I just can't. I no, with, 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 he makes Halloween. He's like, I'm a huge Halloween fan. It's like, yeah, me too. Like the idea of this kid just completely like this normal kid snapping and like becoming the boogeyman. Yeah, yeah, that that movie. And then he makes one where he's like, oh yeah, like he's a a fucking he's, he's bullied kid. His mom's a stripper. His stepdad's a drunk. Like, oh, these this is obviously this kid's going to become a serial killer. So you took away all the mystique of what made Michael Myers such an interesting character or an interesting scary villain was that he's just normal and then he just snaps, you know? Um, and then the Munsters, it was like nobody ever needed to, to know how Lily Munster and Herman Munster ever got met up and got married. Like, <laughs> The whole point of the show is they just exist. Like, we just go, ah, we're just dumped into this family that is weird and kooky. They don't think they're weird and kooky. They think they're normal. And yet they have, like, you know, one of the the big takeaways from the Munsters is that, like, and there's a great episode where Herman Munster's telling Eddie, basically, I think they were talking about race. They were addressing racism where he's like, it doesn't matter what somebody looks on the outside. It's what, it's who they are on the inside that counts. And it's like, yeah, that's that's the fucking Munsters. Whereas he's like, no, no, we're going to go through an origin story. I don't need that. I don't. Yeah. He, he is. Rob Zombie's movies are becoming the Patton Oswalt joke about uh, Star Wars. About like you know, oh, you like, do you like him? You like Darth Vader? Well, you get to see him as a little kid, and it's like nobody fucking wanted to. And, um, <laughs> and yeah. the, here's here's my part where I say it's it's worth watching. One, visually, it, I was shocked that it wasn't black and white, but apparently he wanted to do it in black and white. But it looks like a '90s after school, like you know, not a '90s after school special, but like a '90s like. Halloween episode of a TV show like stay tuned kids for you know for the Goosebumps Halloween episode you know like Ugh. it feels like a weird 90s like TV show Halloween themed episode it's, it's kind of interesting the music in the Munsters is fucking awesome is it now yes it is Can and like I, I, no oh. no but it's like yes we don't need to see Herman Munster in a fucking band but at least the music's fucking Stop. cool like the music the in the Munsters He's in a band, and well, no, it's not all. It's not all the music's not us. But let me put it this way: I would, in a heartbeat, buy the soundtrack to the Munsters. In fact, it's out on vinyl. I've thought about getting it. Um, the guy who plays Herman is actually really great because he's not trying to do an impression of Fred Gwynn, except for the laugh, like when he does like the Herman Munster laugh. It's like he's doing that, but he's not trying to imitate Fred Gwynn, who we all know played Herman Munster and also was in Pet Cemetery, yeah. the original. Um, he's not trying to do an impression of him. It's really great. Daniel Roebuck is. Perfectly fine as is grandpa. Um, and Sherry Moon Zombie, here's the thing is she's not bad in the movie. I don't believe she's it. just but she's <laughs> but she's trying to do an impression of um Yvonne DiCarlo, and it's like, you know, you could have just tried to make this your own, mm-hmm. but you instead you just tried to do an impression of the person who had already done the role. So it's like it kind of falls apart. Richard Brakes in it though, he was he's been on he's been in a lot of stuff lately. Like he was in Barbarian for a minute, he's in Mandy, he was oh, Joe yeah. Chill and Batman. He's fucking fantastic. I've never really it? got to see him. Yeah, he plays he plays the mad scientist who makes Herman Munster, which is incredibly fucking stupid. Like, it's just <laughs> a stupid idea. But again, he gets to be funny and, like, kind of, like, show off his comedic chops. And I was like, he's good. Like, that's the thing. Is like, there's weird things in the Munsters. I think it's worth watching because there's weird stuff in there that's kind of enjoyable. I don't enjoyable. I can bring myself to watch it, Mickey. I understand that, too. I also, I mean, I've got friends who are like, no fucking way. And I'm like, I get it. But I'm just telling you that I watched it. It is as bad as you think it's going to be. But there's also something kind of fun about watching it. Like, there's some, there's, there's, there's a good movie in there. It's just not the one that they made. Um, yeah. So I watched that. And then, um, 
a few days ago. I oh, uh, I saw Smile, which uh, I really want to see that. Of, I keep hearing good things. I was on the fence. I was like, do I really want to see? Like, because it looks like you know the the marketing and like the trailer. It's called or, fucking or Smile, though. Like for some reason, that makes me so mad. Hmm. Well, I know the, what it's the trailer, about. Yeah, it's so the trailer. Uh, I kind of like saw once and ignored every time it was on. Like I would always go up and get popcorn whenever it was playing because I was like, I don't fucking need to see this thing. I I was kind of on the fence, but I was like, you know, it's October. I want to see something in the theater that's horror, you know. And so my wife and I went, and it was good. It was a good movie. Uh, my wife liked it a lot more. She she screamed in the theater, and I was like, on one hand, I was kind of embarrassed for a second, but then on the other hand, I was like. No, that's what you should fucking do. That's what a horror movie should make you do in a theater. And so good for her. You know, she's, she's that's getting That's kind of funny because people be screaming in Atlanta, which I kind of like because it makes the atmosphere that much creepier. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I mean, like there's, it, uh, this is my problem is that it is a movie that kind of relies a little bit too much on jump scares. There is one scene that really got under my skin, like really fucking bad. I was like, oh my God, that's fucking creepy. But the rest of the movie, it's like, it's good. Here's the thing is that if you've seen The Ring and you've seen It Follows... You've seen Smile. Yeah. But Smile, I don't feel like Smile is as good as either one of those, but it's fi- it's fine. I mean, like, Smile's, Smile is, it's it's borrowing from both movies, but it's it's fine. Um, I, I, I'd see it in the theater again. It was good. Um, I don't think it's the most, I don't think it's terrifying. Like, some people are like, oh, my God, it's terrifying. I'm like, yeah, people who say that are people who don't really watch horror films, you know? Yeah. But that's fine, you know? Knock yourself out. Um, so <laughs> go see Smile, and then... A few nights ago, on Thursday, I went in the theater and I saw Halloween Ends. Oh, no. I keep hearing really terrible things about it. No. Okay. Here's the thing. I don't know, Mickey. I don't know. I think you're giving it too much credit already. First off, I hated Halloween Kills. Okay. Yeah, it's bad. Halloween Kills is bad. It's bad. And this is better than Halloween Kills. Hmm. The problem with this one is it introduced – first off, and, and if you haven't seen it, I'm not giving anything away. But if you have seen it and you've seen the Halloween movies, you'll know what I'm talking about. This movie kind of delivers on what we thought Halloween 5 was going to be. Okay. Like it really kind of, it kind of, it, it, it goes in the direction where it's like, ah, oh, this is what I imagined Halloween 5 was going to be, you know? Um, the problem is, this is supposed to be the finale of your little trilogy. And suddenly you're introducing this whole new plot thread that you should really like. It's the third movie in your proposed trilogy should not be where you decide to completely introduce new ideas. You really just need to be like, Hey, we've been setting this thing up and now we're going to fucking pay it off instead of being like, Oh no, here's something new. And it's like, I don't need that. Um, the final climax between the two of them, um, should, it, it was anticlimactic. Halloween 2018 had a far better ending like Halloween 2018 should have been the should have been the the, the finale, you mm-hmm. know, like that one felt more satisfactory, con- you know, conclusive, you know, it felt more like uh, cathartic, you know, after whatever. Um, I like I said, I didn't dislike it. I didn't. I am confused by a lot, and not confused by like like plot points, more of like why they did those plot points. Where I was like, why'd you do that? Like, why now? You know, like. Why wait until your third movie to fucking do? Why didn't you do this? since since Halloween Kills had no fucking plot at all? Why didn't you do this in the second one? Why didn't you introduce this story in the second one? I don't <laughs> yeah. want to give it any away, but they like I said, they introduce a character that becomes like a significant like thing throughout the movie, and it's he's not the character. The, the actor's good. The character's interesting. It's just what the fuck, you know? Um, the like there's parts of Halloween. 
here's the thing, like I said, there's parts of Halloween ends that I really enjoyed. I, I just would have enjoyed it as a another Halloween movie or a different movie altogether, not a, this is, we are building up to our big climax. Like, they didn't have a climax. Like, I think my theory was they, they wrote Halloween, the 2018 one, and they were like, yeah, yeah, we got a trilogy plan. We got a trilogy plan. And then Halloween 2018 does so well. And then someone's like, okay, great. So what do you, what, what's, what's next? And they're like, oh shit, you know? Um, and then they just realized they didn't have a plan. Halloween 2, I also realized, I was rewatching the original Halloween 2, which we did an episode on. You didn't care for it years after the, you know, upon revisiting it. I still love it. But I watched it and I was like, oh my God, Halloween Kills remade Halloween 2. Like, yeah. she's in the fucking hospital. Throughout the entire movie, just like Halloween, uh, Halloween two, um, there's an angry mob, just like in Halloween two, and they're all charging at the Myers house, and they're all throwing stuff. A, a character who is clearly not Michael Myers gets fucking killed, like an innocent victim gets killed because they think it's Michael Myers. Same thing happens in Halloween Kills. Yeah, it's like they were like, "Hey, let's reduce the hospital scenes and and make the 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 angry mob scene bigger, and now we've got our own Halloween two, and it's like." Yeah, but you guys are sitting there running around, running your mouth saying that, you know, this new trilogy pretends like Halloween 2 through whatever didn't exist. And then you fucking remade Halloween 2. And you know what they did in Halloween Ends? The opening credits, they fucking did the Halloween 3 opening credits. Uh, like, they did, like, in the uh, same style. clever. <laughs> yeah, and I was, I, I, like, rolled my eyes. I was like, guys, come on, you know? Like, and, like I said, it's weird. I definitely think people should see it. I don't think you should see it on Peacock or whatever. I think you should go see it in the fucking theater because it, it's you're going to get more out of it, That's I believe. It's a heavy but ask, though, I feel like. It is a heavy ask, but you know what? Like, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of that. Yeah. I'm a fan of the franchise, and I wanted to see where they went with it, and at the end of the day, I felt underwhelmed. I was like, that's a shame that that was the... That's their... Jamie Lee Curtis deserved a better... I'm not giving anything away by saying this either. She deserves just her her... Her send-off from the franchise deserved to be bigger and better. And that's why I think Halloween 2018 did that. So for as far as I'm concerned, you know, I liked Halloween Ends, but I could I could pretend like it doesn't exist, just like I'll pretend Halloween Kills doesn't exist and let Halloween 2018 <laughs> be its own thing. Yeah. Um, I, so that's what I saw. And then the last thing I'll mention is that I um, kind of got really – I went into a deep dive into this game on the PS4 called The Quarry. Yeah, oh. people. A lot of people have talked about it. The quarry is made by the same people who made um, Until Dawn. Mm. It's basically your. It's a. It's a. I you're love playing Until a Dawn. horror film. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So this is their. This is their more overt teen slasher, like eighties teen slasher version of that. Where oh, it's like cool. You're, and the cast is um, David Arquette. Um, oh, fun. David Arquette, Lynn Shay, Lance Henriksen, Ted Raimi. Ethan Supley, which I didn't recognize for the life of me. I mean, it's all motion capture work, but yeah. it's like, I know, I was like, that's Lance Henderson, that's Lynn Shea, that's Ted's clearly Ted Raimi, that's David Arquette, that's Ethan Supley, holy shit. Uh, Tim Robbins' kid, uh, Tim Robbins, Susan Sarandon's kid's in it. Uh, this other kid who's going to be in Dungeons and Dragons movie. Um, it, it, I, I got so involved in it, and then like in the middle of the game, they kind of like clue you in onto what the game is, what's really going on, and then I was like, at first I was like, my eyebrow raised. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And then I got so hooked into it that I was like, this may be the best of the, one of the better stories in this subgenre of horror that I, I've seen in a long time. So I really got into it and it's a lot of fun. And the whole point of the game is you can, you you know, you're making decisions for these kids. So like, you know, to see at the end of the the game, who will survive, you know, who you, who you've survived 
who's who's died, who's dead, and like you know all the ins and outs and what have you. I enjoyed it a lot. I got really sucked into it. So um, cool. That was, that was everything in a nutshell. And then um, and then obviously the movie that we are going to launch into in a second. Oh uh, yeah. So I loved it. But what uh, do you want to give the synopsis? Sure. Dead and buried is. Um, what was it, 81? Yeah, 81. Yeah, 81. Uh, small town, uh, weird shit's going on. This The local sheriff is trying to figure out what's happening. Like, people who have you know, who, who have died keep are now showing up. Um, and not like zombies, but more of like, they're just, they're, they're doing, they're going about their normal shit. Um, he's, uh, he's basically just trying to unravel this, this plot. And, um. He, yeah, the cop, the copper. It's. It's definitely it's it's it falls in the genre of like town with a dark secret type movie, you know. Yeah, like uh, this town is killing all its tourists, but are they dead? <laughs> yeah, and it's also yeah, exactly, and and it's really interesting to me. And then um, I mean, a, a friend of mine and I have talked about this movie a lot in the past, and we both described it as like this feels like a long Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, which but by the way, I have no problem with this. I really loved it. I loved it more. I had never heard of this one before. I, you know, mm. it was my pick. And so I was honestly just like, what horror movie that I have not seen yet, which, you know, we've gone through a nut. We've done over a hundred episodes. We've done a lot of fucking films. And so yeah. a lot of these lists and two, I will say a lot of the lists that you find center on American movies, which is also a problem, but this came up. I hadn't seen it yet. And I was like, oh, this sounds really good, actually. Like, let's check it out. And so I fucking loved it. It's directed by Gary Sherman, who also did Poltergeist 3. And it's mm-hmm. weird because I've been thinking about Poltergeist 3 a lot because it, like, there's some films, and when you're young, you see them and they, like, change your brain. This one made mm-hmm. me scared. Poltergeist 3 made me scared of mirrors for, like, ever. Like, I couldn't sleep with yeah. a mirror for it's years. It's not a good movie, but it's got. No, it's it, not. <laughs> The stuff with yeah. the mirrors is really good. Yeah, I get, I agree. Um, and and he also directed a movie called. It was released in I think seventy one or seventy two called Death Line, which I do recommend. It's got Donald oh, really? Pleasance, Chris Ridley. Because yeah, I thought he like did based, um, uh, another movie with Rucker Howard, and I was like, "What Wanted Dead or Alive?" Yeah, which I thought was it looked a, cool. I was like, which was a <laughs> like, kind of like a reboot slash like sequel to the original TV show from I think the sixties. Uh, where Rutger Howard's playing the the answer, like the grandson or the son of the character from the TV show. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gary Sherman kind of has a um, kind of had bad luck, so he makes Deathline, which is you know considered it, it's a cult classic. You know, mm. it's pretty good. It's cannibals in the in the London subway. It's really good. Um, and then he makes uh, Dead and Buried, which you know, he, I guess to sum it up, was one of the the Adco Adco Embassy executives was like. You basically made a horror movie like an Igmar Bergman film, which a tells me that fucking film executives have never seen an Igmar Bergman film because I don't know how you can escape <laughs> that. Yeah. But also, they were shitting on him because they were like, "You're trying to make an art film, a horror film, as an art film," and he's like, "Yeah." And so they cut it up a bit. It gets released. It doesn't do that great. He ends up doing Vice Squad with uh, um, Wingshauser and. Mm. Uh, and then he does Wanted Dead or Alive, and then he does Poltergeist 3, and then for fuck's sakes, I mean, Poltergeist 3, you're making this movie, and then your lead actress, who's a child, dies, yeah. you know, and you're like, he's just, and then he made another movie called Lisa, which I've, it's actually been on my list for a long time, it's like a girl prank calling guys, and then, you know, she prank calls the wrong guy, That's type good. story, I haven't, I haven't watched it, but um, I really, I, I do enjoy this movie, it gets a lot of, um, a lot of people say that, like, uh, 
it's written by Dan O'Bannon and Ron, uh, Ronald Shusett, but Dan O'Bannon's come out and said, well, he did when he was alive, came out and said, yeah, I didn't fucking write that movie. He just put my name on it. He didn't use any of the ideas. I had Ronald, Sh- Ronald Shusett and Dan O'Bannon had collaborated on Alien together. Yeah. And, and Ronald Shusett was like, I think your name on this movie would, would help it and I'll implement your ideas. And then he didn't. And so Dan O'Bannon, when he saw the movie, he's like, none of this shit's mine, you know? And so he, like, he basically came out in the 80s and said, I had nothing to do with Dead, uh, Dead and Buried, but at that point, it was too late to take his name off the credits. Which is kind so of sad, because I feel like it's great. I fucking loved mm. it. I, I really did. I mean, Stan Winston yeah. Um, yeah. had a big part in this film, you know, the legendary makeup artist, uh, mm-hmm. Stan Winston. And so the gory scenes, to me, are really fucking cool. You know, there's, like, a table yeah. scene. And this, okay, so I'll go through some of the cast, but Jack Albertson, who famously plays Grandpa Joe. Grandpa Joe. Yeah, isn't it? And he's so good and so creepy in it. And then Robert England, you know, Ferdy Krueger yeah. before Nightmare on Elm Street. And then Melanie yeah. Anderson, which um, she was in Flash Gordon, mm-hmm. which uh, I really like. But she was also in the series, which I might have mentioned before. And it it's like hidden in the recesses of my brain when I found it. I couldn't believe it. But there was a series called Manimal. And I remember being a little <laughs> kid and seeing this. And then finally, when I found it, it was like, this is the fucking TV show that I was talking about where a man can change into different, you know, animals, animals and yeah. like, you know. Yeah, hence the name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she's in that show and I like couldn't believe it. But I really fucking liked it. I, I honestly thought it was like really creepy and way like way more clever than it, it had gotten credit. You know, this cop is, oh, yeah. is, you know, finding out all these things. And I think, you know, he did a good job of like, uh playing this tortured being where all of a sudden he's like finds things that he really doesn't understand and it makes him so angry where he's like what the fuck is this i'm finding witchcraft yeah. shit like what is wrong with you people and everyone's just like it's normal and then you know and, it's, and he's suspecting his wife is having an affair jay so james Ferentino plays the the sheriff and his wife is played by melody anderson like you said from flash gordon mm-hmm. by the way i love her i love flash gordon the movie i like her way more in this yeah um <laughs> Because, you know, I, I think everybody was kind of dialing in at 11 in Flash Gordon where it was like, okay. But, um, yeah, he's he's completely, it's, it's he's he's discovering a fucking conspiracy within this town that he feels, is, I mean, it's his home. He's known this shit. He's known these people his entire life. He's, he's, this is his home. And suddenly he's finding out that, like, it's not, that's what I like about Dead and Buried. It's not an outsider coming to a small town and discovering some weird vast conspiracy it's somebody who's already in the town who thinks they they have an understanding of what's that you know two and two is four and and everything and finding out that everything is wrong and that to me is really interesting yeah uh it's really Um, cool i i honestly love um jack albertson this might be like honestly one of my favorite characters he's ever played you know, especially at the, yeah. the big reveal in the end, you know, and, and him, sure. you know, um, I don't want to ruin anything, but he's like giving himself, uh, <laughs> like he's yeah. embalming himself, uh, essentially. But I, I, I honestly loved it. I mean, even though like, and, and sometimes things can be really predictable just because if you watch enough movies, you're like, this has got to be how it's going. Um, but even when I'm not surprised, I still feel really good about it. You know, like there's a scene where the cop finds a, a video and he's watching it and he's like, oh my God. And he sees his wife and like, you know what the reveal is going to be, but you know that he hasn't seen that part yet. And so yeah. uh, honestly, I, I really enjoyed it. And I think I enjoyed it more than I, I anticipated. Well, it's funny. 
because when you know when I first saw this movie, I mean, look, I I'm, I'm I don't I I don't own a lot of 4K Ultra Blu-ray DVDs. I just don't, you know, because I whatever. This is one that I like when they released the the 4K. I was like, I'm getting it because mm-hmm. like I love the look of this movie. I love the soundtrack. Um, I, I I mean, I'm a big fan of this movie and. Um, and I didn't see the ending coming, but it wasn't like when it, when it, when it was revealed, I went, Oh yeah, that makes sense. But it wasn't like, I still didn't see it coming. I was just more like, Oh, uh, uh, yeah, I, I buy that. It's, it was the exact opposite of don't worry, darling, where I go, yep. All that makes sense to me. Like, Oh yeah. That, it, yeah. yeah. That's everything. Well, see, and, I saw um, the arm hair and I was like, there's no way that that's a different guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but even, even like still like the, 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 there's a, there's still a little bit more of a, well, that videotape that you're talking about ends up being a part of the much bigger reveal, the bigger twist that you're like, Oh fuck. And like, I really dug that. And I, I think about grandpa Joe or Jack Albertson, um, is that I, I have major problems with this character. Like the internet does in Willy Wonka, where it's like, motherfucker has been like sleeping in bed (laughs) while this family has been fucking struggling and starving. And he could be out there like, working but he's like oh he can't move and this fucking kid's like i'm going to the, the chocolate factory and he's like oh I'm, I'm i'm all in and it's like you motherfucker and like and so grandpa joe's always been kind of like a sinister character like a, uh so seeing him in this movie though he's really great at being affable yeah and also but also being kind of like you know like you said kind of creepy and like um i also want to point out that like the other two actors in this movie lisa blount who plays like the kind of like the temptress in the town who like seduces this tourist oh, yeah, in the very the, beginning the and then she has a very famous scene where she like and and i think this is what made it a video nasty in england where she like stabs the fucking oh, syringe yeah, to so the hard. guy's eye um and and the fact that the dvd the 4k dvd i have there was three different covers i got the one where she's <laughs> it's her with the needle and you can like you know it's it's the one where you can kind of like tilt it and it's like it it moves so um but she was in prince of darkness she yeah. plays you know, the female lead in that. And then Michael Pataki's in it as one of the people in the town. Michael Pataki, we saw him in The, the Baby. He's in a movie called Grave of the Vampire. He's in Rocky Four. It's like a really oh, interesting, okay. nice... Oh, okay. I thought he looked... Yeah. There was, like, few that I looked familiar that I couldn't tie with faces on IMDb, you know, because, like, I, I look. But, like, there's some that are, like, mm-hmm. so familiar that you're, like, I've definitely watched them before. But it had a lot of all-stars, like, be all-stars, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this movie... I mean, like, well, Jack Albertson was, like... I think he was a Grammy away from being an EGOT because, I, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. he won an Emmy, he won an Oscar, he won a um, Tony. Um, I mean, so he's a he's a he's a fucking heavy hitter. This was also his last movie. He died right afterwards. Um, oh yeah, that's is, what. You know, yeah, that I think he was like filming something else, maybe, but like this was his last like full release. Yeah. But it's interesting because he looks so. He really did. He looked really skinny, but he still was like a really great character in it. From like, there's a funny joke in the beginning, you know, where like. I, I found it very endearing, you know, where, like, the cop comes in, he's looking for something, and he's kind of, like, fucking with his orderly guy, where he's like, oh, officer, if you're looking for that weed, it's, like, <laughs> under here. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of get the sense that he's, like, close to these people. And so I, I honestly thought it was pretty fucking solid. Like, um, yeah. I'm surprised I had never seen it or heard about it before, and it just kind of popped up while I was, like, searching for something to watch. And then I'm, like, really pleasantly surprised. Um I think if you haven't seen Dead and Buried, I'm saying this to our audience, but I think if you haven't seen Dead and Buried before, I think you should, you know, take a night and watch Messiah Beeble, which we've done. Yeah, which is great. And 
which is that, and watch Dead and Buried because I feel like the, while the stories kind of veer into different directions, there are two movies that that really complement each other well. They're both strange coastal towns that have a really dark secret um, and beautiful imagery. I mean, like Dead and Buried is just wonderful imagery. And you know the funny thing is this movie is as a kid I remember seeing the video box, and they show this in the trailer too. Like they show the image in the video box. It's like a a, a go, you know kind of a rocky ground. And then this head bur- kind of like bursting out of it. And I remember thinking like, what the fuck could this movie possibly be? And then the very tops is from the creators of Alien. You're like, what the hell is this? It's nothing that you think it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> and it's wonderful. I mean, it really is. It's a wonderful, well-drawn out, well-plotted um, mystery that, you know, that has elements of horror and then becomes a full-on, you know, horror movie. It's, but it's like again, it to me it reminds me of like like with the twist ending. It's like ah, oh, this is a Twilight Zone episode, but it's really fucking good. And like again, I have no problems when TV shows are like I. I it's funny that I feel Don't like Worry, it's Darling a little bit came. better. I mean, we talked about this I think, sure. last episode sure. where I was like, no, felt like a. Even though I liked it, it felt like a Twilight episode. This also felt like it, but I felt like it had a little more like. Oh yeah. You know, yeah, but I mean, like, it's funny because it's funny that you picked Dead and Buried because I remember when I saw Don't Worry, Darling, I was talking about it with some friends and they were like, when somebody, with, you know, a friend of ours reminded mentioned that Don't Worry, Darling felt like a, a, a lower, a subpar episode of Black Mirror. And I was like, there's nothing wrong with movies feeling like they could have been well, even TV shows. And Mirror I brought up Dead and Buried. And how many people have started or at least had early, Daniel Kalula, you know, is in a mm-hmm. Black Mirror episode, Rory Kinnear, like... These are all really great actors, you know? And so, like, I mean, to that testament, I guess, I guess I know when someone's like, especially TV is so good nowadays, but when someone usually compares something, you're like, "Mm." but I think they were just saying that, like, that Don't Worry Darling just felt like an inferior episode of Black Mirror. And I was just trying to point out that, like, you know, that's okay for a show to the movie to feel like a show. Like, I brought up Dead and Buried specifically. Like, Dead and Buried to me feels like a either an episode of Twilight Zone or uh, an issue of Tales from the Crypt. That's just long. And that's fine. Both of those are fine. That's why I was so surprised that Dan O'Bannon didn't have anything to do with this movie because one of his biggest influences was EC Comics. This also has an element of maybe not as gory, but in, in some aspects, but it definitely felt like a Tales from the Crypt. Yes. Yeah, it did. And that's I fine. Yeah, it definitely And that's did. all good. Yeah. It, you know, because it, it has that like weird, you know, like I said, that like hook ending, you know, where you're like, ah, you know, and, uh, and it, again, that, that makes sense. Like you're not, this isn't completely out of left field, and they've 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 built that ending really well. Whereas, don't worry, darling, does not do that. Yeah. You know, um, no, there's I, no Grandpa Joe. I know. <laughs> if there's no Grandpa Joe, fuck it. Um, mm. No, I I really loved it. It's on um, it's on like Peacock. It's on Prime for free. You know, yeah. if you subscribe to any of those, please watch it because it was really it was honestly really yeah. fucking cool. I had never seen it before. So. Yeah, that's a good one. Messiah of Evil and Dead and Buried, I think, are, gonna, are yeah, good. Yeah, a good double. That's a good double feature. Yeah. I do the I Messiah so. of Evil 4K because um, the YouTube version is not that great. I mean, it's not bad, but, like, you don't no. get to see really anything until, like, when you see it in 4K, so. Yeah, and then Dead and Buried is just, well, you know, it's just, like, that movie is just beautiful to look at. Like, I could watch that movie with the volume off and still be very entertained by just the imagery and everything like that it's it's really pleasant and uh so pick up that 4k as well it also comes with a soundtrack which is pretty cool oh um, yeah joe um renzetti i think did it who also did the child's play theme um mm-hmm. and has worked on a number of you know horror films throughout the years including poltergeist 3 and etc i i actually noted it because in the beginning there's this like sleazy sax that reminds you of like 
70s New York almost, you know, like taxi driver. Yeah. It's like, like, you guys know, I, yeah, I know you guys can hear it, but honestly, watch it. It's great. Could be the reason why he got that he did the score for uh, Basket Case 2. And, yeah, um, which when I saw it, I was like, that makes perfect sense, to be honest. Yeah. But it was yeah, he's, it's great. It's a really, it's a really well put together package that didn't do well and like i said in england it got considered it was considered one of the video nazis which meant was unavailable in england for a while which is real shame because comparatively speaking to some of the other movies that were in that list it's like what is dead and what aside from that one fucking scene like what is dead and buried got that like is so distasteful yeah but um check it out i i'm really glad you picked that one because i'm a pretty big fan of it yeah guys well that's our episode that is our episode. Enjoy and uh, talk to you later. Bye. This is the road to Potter's Bluff. Maybe you've been there. Clean, picturesque, full of old-fashioned friendliness. The kind of town everyone likes to visit. This is the road to Potter's Bluff. There is no road out. <laughs> Welcome to Potter's Bluff. From the creators of Alien, terror brought down to Earth, dead and buried. Is there any way whatsoever to reanimate people after they have died? To get them to walk around? That guy, the one you, you came to see me about last week, the one that died after the car wreck. Yeah. I just saw him. Man, he's dead. It's the same guy. Welcome to Potter's Bluff. When you die, you expect to remain dead and buried. I had a very close call. Just lie still. I'm gonna give you something. It's gonna make you feel even better. When you die in Potter's Bluff, expect the unexpected. From the creators of Alien. Dead and buried. It will take your breath away. All of it. Dead and buried. <laughs>